Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Today's scripture comes to us from Matthew 5, verse 45. For God makes the sun rise on both good and bad people. And God sends rain for the ones who do right and for the ones who do wrong. It pays to be selfish. At least that's what our ancestors thought. Science has speculated that our ancient ancestors had what is called selfish genes. And the purpose of those genes was to influence the actions of our ancestors, that they would act in such a way that it would enhance the possibility of them spreading their genes. So the more selfish they were, the greater their chances of surviving and thriving were. As we begin to study the history of morality, we discovered that these selfish genes can actually cause us to become generous. That by being generous, it actually is and can be a selfish action. So how does that work? Well, the way it worked was that we would act on our self-interest. And so if we did something nice to another person, we would do that perhaps either consciously or unconsciously in such a way that we would reap the benefits of it. Then our brains developed in such a way that we begin to have memories. So when you did something nice for another person, you remembered it. And then you put that back there. But if that person that you did something nice for if they did something nice in return, you could remember that. And the trust that you had between each other began to grow. However, if you did something nice for another person once, twice, and they didn't reciprocate at all, then you were more likely to distance yourself from them. This is what is called reciprocal altruism. The idea being that we do nice things for other people in return the belief that they will do something nice for us. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Reciprocal altruism. Now that works as long as both parties can agree that the actions of the one and the other are fair. So if I do something nice for you, and you do something nice for me, but it's not as nice, and that pattern continues, then I can get this feeling that you are not treating me fairly. And when that happens, then the tendency is to want to not only distance myself, but perhaps even punish you. And out of that punishment can create even more strife. So this idea of fairness comes in and plays a very significant role for our ancestors as well as for us today. 
Do you recall the times that perhaps you've heard children say, well, that isn't fair? Or maybe you've heard adults even say it. Well, this idea of fairness is ingrained in us. They did research that actually demonstrates that in the core of our brain, in the, in the center, down deep inside of us, there is a place in our brain that highlights when they do an MRI, it actually will light up in how we respond to something being fair or unfair. So it's part of who we are. It's intuitive, this emotion of fairness. But the challenge is, is if I see something as fair and you don't, what takes place? I mean, wouldn't it be a lot easier if we had an objective way of understanding what is fair and not fair? But that's not the truth. You see, fairness is subjective. You, you determine what is fair. And it's usually what we consider to be fair individually, it's based upon what it is that will bring us the greatest benefit. Now, if I consider it to be fair and you don't, then the tendency for me is to want to influence you in such a way that you'll see it from my point of view, and in the end, we will come back to my fairness, which ultimately will benefit me perhaps even a little bit more than it benefits you. Fairness. It is not objective. It is subjective. So imagine the tension that it can arise just between two people, be it in a family, a relationship, close friends. Now imagine that in a larger group. Imagine that in a spiritual community. Imagine, imagine that in a work environment. All of a sudden, you have a multitude of people who each of them have their idea of what is fair. And now grow that out until you come to our nation. If fairness is subjective, then how in the world can a nation thrive and survive together if they can't agree what is considered fair? What we are experiencing right now in our nation, the strife that we're feeling, a lot of it ties right back into this idea of fairness. There are three dominant ways in which fairness is being viewed today. And again, depending upon your personality, your background, your experiences, which one you find yourself emotionally attracted to, it may be different than what another person feels. So, for example, the first one is based on what we would call deservedness. Fairness is getting what you deserve. So the individual who works hard, who is diligent, who, who practices their skills, who is intelligent, who has common sense and uses it, whatever they get, they deserve. And it would be unfair to take that away from them. So if I work hard and I make a lot of money, what right do you have to come along and take that and give it to someone else? 
Well, what about the people that are poor, that are lazy, the people that don't work hard? What about them? According to deservedness, they get what they deserve. It's based upon individual freedom. We make choices, and whatever those choices are, we get what we deserve. This can actually be seen, and support has been used from the Bible for such a position. When you think about salvation, salvation is very much based upon this type of fairness, what we deserve. Many of the individuals will look to the Bible and say, there's texts that will tell you that the wages of sin is death. So if you sin, you deserve to die. The good news, according to this view, is that God steps in and shows grace. God shows mercy. And by showing God's grace and mercy, we don't get what we deserve there becomes another option. But here's where your choice comes back into play. Your individual freedom comes into play. You have to choose to take advantage of that grace. Now, if you choose to take advantage of that grace, then you will get what you deserve, salvation. Now, salvation isn't now. It's sometime into the distant future, either when you die or even beyond that. But again, it's based upon you get what you deserve. If you sin and you refuse God, you get what you deserve, which is hell. If you sin, you get what you deserve. And if you come to God, you confess your sins, you'll get what you deserve, which will be heaven. So how does that look in a local community? Think about schools. This system of deservedness, of that being the basis of fairness. We could see, for example, a family where both partners work extremely hard, and they save their money, they go to college, they get good jobs, they put in the hours, they put in the time, and because of that, they have some extra money. So they take their money, and they take the money that is offered to them by the states, and they use that to put their child in a higher quality form of education. They deserve that freedom to make that shift, according to this view. Why should they stay in the public school? They've worked hard, they have the resources, so they deserve that freedom of choice to put their child wherever they want them. That's based on the idea of fairness of being you get what you deserve. That's option number one. The second option is what we call equality. The sense that fairness is based upon equalness, that we all should get the same thing. Now, if you take it to the extreme, that would mean that seniors, you lose all that good pricing when you go to a restaurant. There are no more senior specials. We all get the same thing. In your family, if you really believed that and you used it as fairness, then what you would say is that all your children get the same amount of food. It doesn't matter if it's an infant or if it's an eight-year-old, 
They both get the same amount of food. That's fair. That's equality. And again, you can find examples of this in the Bible. In the scripture that was read for us from Matthew chapter 5, this idea that God is fair because God is equal. He causes it to rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. God causes the sun to shine on those who are good and those who are evil. If God is equal, then we should be equal. Well, let's go back to our local community. How does this and what would that look like when it comes to schooling? Fairness as equalness would say that every child deserves equal opportunity, equal resources. So, if that wealthy child whose parents worked hard has the opportunity to go to that school, then the poor child has just as much right to go to the exact same school and have the same resources as the rest of them. This is fairness based on equalness. So you have deservedness, you have equalness, and then you have the third one, and that is fairness based upon equity. Equity plays with the idea that fairness is established by those who have the greatest need. So if equality says that we start out with an even playing field, and then whatever happens, happens, equity says that our goal is to arrive at an even playing field. This idea of equity, of helping those who have less, either fiscally or have challenges both physically as well as mentally, psychologically, it's bringing that up so that everyone ends up on an equal basis. That's equity. Equity says you give more to those who deserve more. And we, again, we find examples of this in the Bible. You think about the Old Testament. When you went out to harvest your crops in the field, you weren't supposed to harvest all of the way to the edges. Why? So those that had less could come in and reap the rest of that. You were supposed to allow the land every seven years to lay dormant. Why? Because the land itself was actually seen as part of the system. The land needed to have equity, an opportunity to be refurbished. So you gave it that advantage and not continue to pull upon its resources. So what about our school system? How does that play into effect? Well, this one would say that it doesn't matter if you go to a public school or a private school. If you, a, a student has greater needs than the other students, then they get greater resources. So everyone doesn't get everything equally. Those who need more get more. Now can you understand why fairness creates so much conflict within communities and within nations? If fairness is subjective and if fairness is in the core of our minds and we have this intuitive feeling that something is fair or not fair, then no wonder people have these different emphasis just in these three particular areas. 
scientists have shown us in doing studies and doing surveys of individuals that people who tend to be conservative tend to be more in line with deservedness. You get what you deserve, that's fair. Those who tend to be more liberal-leaning, they follow more of a sense of equality and equity. Now again, when you think about the resources that a nation has available to them, no wonder people want fairness. Both sides want it. It's just they can't agree what it looks like. But it's not a matter of just choosing one, two, or three. If we're honest with ourselves, we realize that we want maybe one to be emphasized more, but we still want the other ones to come into play when we want them to come into play. And again, we are in the midst of this conflict because at its core, we can find elements of what is fair. So as we come closer to November 3rd, more and more emphasis will be placed upon what is fair. And all parties are going to try to tap into that emotion within you to get you to respond in a particular way, perhaps in a way that even consciously you don't really even are aware of. That's why it's so important right now that each and every one of us takes the opportunity to just step back a little bit and reevaluate our morals. And in particular, this weekend, what do we consider to be fair? And then, once we have that, that we will be able to move forward and make choices either before or on November 3rd that are aligned with our moral of fairness. What candidates, what bills promote fairness in a way that is aligned with my idea of fairness? And again, it varies. So, here's the bad news. After November 3rd, it's still going to be there. We're still going to disagree on what is fair for a nation, what is fair for a group, because fairness is subjective. So what can we do for a sense of peace of mind between now and not only November 3rd, but on throughout the rest of our lives? I find solace in the idea that I find very well worded by Trevor Diggers. He's an author, and he says the following, life isn't fair nor unfair. It just gives us what it gives us. It's entirely indifferent to our perspectives. It doesn't matter to life, what we think or feel we deserve nor don't deserve. We get what we get. Though we can't control what life gives us, we can control 
how we handle it, as well as our outlook. Life isn't fair, or it isn't unfair. It just is. It sounds an awful lot like Jesus when He said, when you think about the future, don't worry about it. Perhaps that's what we need to remember when it comes to this whole idea of fairness. Yes, it's important, but ultimately, life will happen. And will we find that greater sense of peace that comes from acceptance of what it is that appears on our plate of life? Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.